Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Friends, it is time to catch up. I thought that I would forget to do this, but I wrote it down in my show notes and I'm going to continue doing it for as long as I possibly can because I like it. So... Starting off with what I'm reading, not much new to report here. Last week, I mentioned that I was reading this book called I Who Have Never Known Men. I just finished it. And what I will say is like, I had this visceral feeling that I don't think I've ever had when I've read a book before. Like, I feel like books and movies very rarely like seriously affect me, weirdly enough, or like make me feel the way that I felt when I was reading this book and especially when I was finishing the book. So I won't give anything away. I kind of described last week, it's about a young woman who then grows to be an old woman, but she was raised in sort of a captivity setting. And again, I won't give any spoilers, but it's just a very haunting, reflective read. I really, really enjoyed it. But I did finish this book being like, okay, now it's time for something a little bit lighter. (laughs) Now, I don't actually know if the new book that I chose is light. In fact, I know nothing about it, but it, like kind of how I choose books in general, I've mentioned this before, is very haphazardly where I just see it on a list. I notice that I've liked other books on that list and then I'm like, okay, I'll read that. So I just started a book called Boy Parts. And I'm only like 10% in. That's one of the things I love about Kindles, but also can be kind of toxic when you're reading is seeing that percentage sign. Anyways, I'm about 10% in to this book called Boy Parts. Do I think that it's going to be the uplifting read that I was looking for? That is to be determined, but my hypothesis as of right now is no, which is okay because I'm finding it interesting. And then, like I said, I always like to have sort of a nonfiction book on the go, or not always, but right now I'm kind of in that rhythm. And the two books that I have on the go actually are, number one, The Creative Act, and I mentioned that last week and in previous episodes, and I'm also reading The War of Art still. So similar kind of themes of these two books and what you may be gathering from my nonfiction reading selections is that I'm thinking a lot about my creativity and my relationship with my creativity. And I really enjoyed that episode. A lot of you really enjoyed it too and asked for a part two. So I'd love to at some point do that. Just let me know 
what themes you'd like me to explore. And there are so many different ways you can share your thoughts. I'm going to mention this actually at the beginning of this episode because they usually mention it at the end. But avenues to connect with the show, to connect with me, are via Instagram DMs or via the anonymous submission link where you can submit anything from feedback to, you know ideas for future episodes to questions or whatever it may be anonymously and there's a link in pretty much every episode show notes and then there's also a Q&A feature on Spotify which is really cool I've been getting more and more questions and responses coming through there so feel free to use that I think it's relatively easy to use you just scroll to the bottom of the episode and you should be able to leave a response your thoughts on the episode or again questions, feedback, etc. Back to the books though about creativity, what I will say is I started to pick up specifically in The War of Art. I want to make sure that's the actual title. Sometimes I mess up the titles. Okay, yes, it is The War of Art. I was correct, shockingly. But as I was reading this book, one of the chapters that I came across kind of made me feel a little bit weird. And the reason being, I've talked before about how I don't always like to bring in a certain type of energy to my creative life. And specifically, I don't like, I like to protect my create my relationship with my creativity from things like hustle culture, productivity culture, etc. And I did find that this book was really pushing that narrative. But After reflecting on it a little bit, and I've talked about this before, I do know that I am someone that actually thrives with even the slightest amount of structure. And before, I've tried to go completely unstructured and just waited for inspiration to hit me and just had like no schedule for myself, no accountability. And because my career is interlinked with my creativity, as much as I hate to admit it, there are certain things that really do help me to have in place. So I do think I'm taking this book with a grain of salt, but just on the off chance that you're like, hey, I'm going to read this book that Siobhan mentioned in the podcast, just know that it does have that aspect to it. But what I will say is it's quite short and it's not heavy at all. So if you're just looking for something to maybe like reset or renew those creative juices which is kind of how I approached it, then I actually kind of like this book from that lens. But I'm way preferring the creative act so far. It's a little bit more in-depth, and I'm resonating more so far with the creative act. What I'm watching. Now, I mentioned that we started the fall of the House of Usher, and I wasn't so sure about it at first, and I still don't know how I feel, but we did finish it. And I did overall actually really come to enjoy it. I posted on Instagram about the series being like, am I missing something? Because this has like really good reviews. But the first episode for me was like shocking. I thought it was really cheesy. Um, I did, however, give it a chance. And I'm glad I did. I enjoyed it. It was interesting. It kind of captivated me because I wanted to know what happened Was it a little cheesy? Was it a little over the top? Yes, of course. But I enjoyed it. And then last week, I hosted a Golden Bachelor 
viewing party with some friends. I hadn't caught up on the series at all. And I might have mentioned that I am not really a Bachelor fan, but I am loving this series so far. Now, I'm only on episode two. We're going to watch episode three and four tonight. And interestingly, my dad has gotten super into it. He's always been kind of like turned his nose up towards reality TV. Whenever my mom and my sister and I talk about it, he's like, I can't believe you watch that. And then there was actually like an article in one of the newspapers that he reads, like let's say it's the Globe and Mail or something about The Golden Bachelor. Funny enough, that convinced him to watch it. And I kid you not, this man is obsessed. Or like, I think he's just finally allowed himself to enjoy reality TV or just like give it a chance. And we'll see if it sticks. But he was like, sharing different thoughts on different contestants the other day it was so funny but yeah overall really enjoying that finding it really wholesome and finally what I'm listening to I can't remember if I mentioned this last week but I recently started the Brittany Broski podcast I love her she's one of my favorite people to watch online she's just so funny and like I don't think about anything when I'm listening to her or when I'm watching her so I've been listening to that podcast pretty much straight for like the last week just as I've been cleaning or puttering around the house it's so funny at first I was a little bit like unsure but now I just I cannot get enough of it last little housekeeping thing before we get into the episode is that I'm really making a conscious effort to revive my YouTube I love creating on YouTube it just feels like it feels very similar to the podcast where it feels like I'm actually able to share a little bit more of my life, of my thoughts, etc., versus like short form content creation on TikTok and Instagram. So I am actually showing some behind the scenes of this episode, filming this episode, and or I guess recording this episode. I'm filming the behind the scenes and just some other like life updates and you know, vlogs. I'm gonna do a house tour on there which I've done on TikTok, but I want to do a bit more of a comprehensive one on YouTube. I did that with our old apartment in Vancouver and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, if you're not already, this is me being completely shameless and saying, go check out my YouTube. That feels really weird to say, but there you have it. Okay, so for today's episode, we are revisiting a very popular recurring theme here on the podcast, which is control. Now, I've talked about this theme several times, specifically sort of through the lens of reality creation and manifestation, and what I've found is that the episodes touching on control continue to be amongst some of the most popular episodes. Now, I'm sure there are more. I'm sure I've talked about this sprinkled into a lot of episodes But some recent episodes where I specifically explored this theme are number one, trusting the universe, easier said than done. That's the name of the episode. And then number two, get uninvolved. And in both of these episodes, again, from a reality creation perspective, we kind of explored how this need and this desire to constantly be in control can sometimes work against us and be unpleasant, and just be draining in general. But 
at the same time, even though we may acknowledge that our relationship with control is hindering us from something or draining us of energy, I don't personally feel like it's as easy as, you know, just releasing control, letting go, surrendering, trusting the universe, like we're so often told to do. And that messaging always, or I guess never really sat well with me. It just didn't, it didn't sink in because it felt so surface level. If every one of us could just trust the universe, wouldn't that be a dream? You know, especially when our desire to be in control came from a place of self-protection or self-preservation, maybe over time or maybe due to a specific incident or situation or circumstance. So we've kind of covered that a bit in those episodes, but we're revisiting it. And I want to give you an update on the evolution of my relationship with control and specifically how that's manifesting in my current life chapter. Now, as we know, you know, I'm going to be talking about pregnancy and how that has had an impact on my relationship with control, but it doesn't necessarily only apply to my situation. It definitely can be applied to so many different scenarios, and I'm going to share a few of those as well as share some of your responses from the anonymous submission. And so in this episode, I want to explore, like I said, the current chapter I find myself in with control and how I've come to realize that, you know, it's time for me to be a little bit more reflective and pay attention to my relationship with control. And then I want to explore where I believe this fear of the loss of control is coming from, some of the themes that I've picked up as it pertains to the loss of control, and then sort of what I'm doing to bring things a bit more into balance. For me, the goal, I'll just say before getting into this episode, is never to get to this point where I don't ever need to be in control. I think it's all about, for me, finding that balance of being in control in certain situations or certain circumstances, but having a balance of trust, to be able to trust other people, to be able to, excuse me, to be able to trust, you know, myself more broadly and to just generally not always feel like I need to control every aspect of my reality to feel safe. So as we know, over the last few months, you know, Jamie and I have been experiencing a great deal of change. Of course, they're all good things. And overall, we're very happy about all the change that's happening in our lives. You know, we found out we're pregnant. Within a very short period of time, we moved across the country. We bought a house. We moved into that house. And sometimes I think we just need to like stop and give ourselves a moment of grace to appreciate you know, how much change that really is. And although we're, you know, if you're at a similar age range to me, you may see people doing this every day, making this change, moving to a new country, you know, whatever it may be, buying a house, getting pregnant. And very rarely do I hear people talk about some of the grieving and some of the overwhelm that can come with change, even if it was a change that you wanted. 
And so I do appreciate how much change is occurring in my life right now. And as I've had a moment to kind of sit back and digest the last few months, I've kind of picked up on kind of old habits of needing to be in control that have started to bubble up again, I think as a way of coping with the change. And so much so that I realized that I wanted to go back to therapy. I haven't been to therapy in probably two plus years, maybe more. And I don't know how much I'll do. Like I haven't been someone that's had a regular therapy schedule, although I'm definitely open to that. I just haven't really felt like I've needed it. I usually find I do a couple sessions, I feel good, and I'm like, okay, like good to go now. I'll come back for this when I need it. But how I generally approach knowing that it's time and knowing that I need it is number one, if I'm kind of having a hard time working through something on my own or getting to the root of something on my own, or let's say like I've come up with a strategy to work through something and that pattern continues to reoccur. So that's one way I know. And then another way is when I feel myself sort of offloading onto other people in my life and oftentimes in areas where it's hard for those people to be objective about whatever it is that I'm offloading. So I also mentioned old habits bubbling up. So let's talk about that for a minute to be a bit more specific about, you know, why I'm going back to therapy and some of the themes that I plan on exploring. And by the way, my appointment is actually later today. So I'll give you an update probably in the YouTube video that I post. But when I initially started to experience and really notice this need to be in control of my body, of my thoughts, of my time, of my space, of other people, was when I was struggling with really bad anxiety a few years ago. And I've talked about that in great depth in other episodes, but essentially towards the end of my university experience, I, for the first time, like started having daily panic attacks, constant anxiety at a level that became almost unmanageable. And it was just a really unpleasant, dark time for me something that I had never really experienced before and it seemingly hit me all at once. And, you know, one of my biggest reflections on this time is anxiety can make you feel so out of control. And in my case, like I, like I said, hadn't really experienced a great deal of anxiety or like just struggles with my mental health growing up, at least not that I was really in tune with or aware of. So this hit me like very, very hard. I felt some of these feelings for the first time, some of these sensations was having specific thoughts for the first time. And it was really disorienting. And, you know, so naturally, one way of coping with this for me was to try to gain control over pretty much every single aspect of my life that I could. When everything that was going on inside of me felt foreign and out of control and unsafe, again, my thoughts, 
my physical sensations, like the way I felt physically in my body. I looked to the things on the outside and the external that I could control and basically that I could attribute this internal experience I was having to. Now, this manifested in so many different ways, but I feel on some level I was looking for that one thing to blame, in a sense, for how I was feeling so I could correct it and get back to feeling like myself again. So I bounced around from fixating on my diet, which became a real problem for me because I felt like I had to be in control of basically like every single thing that went into my body to the point where that was causing me more anxiety. I also fixated on my exercise routine, my coffee intake, my living environment, my job, my friendships, pretty much everything that was going on outside of me, I would fixate on, try to control and try to sort of dissect to explain why I was feeling this way internally. Now, what I will say is like all of these things are valid things to inquire after when you're having this experience with your mental health. I think it's completely natural and normal to say, okay, well, I'm going to just look at some of the patterns in my life, look at what's going on in my life and see if there's anything going on that could explain or contribute to the way I'm feeling. And it's not to say that some of those things didn't contribute to the way that I was feeling. But what I found was that by associating controlling all of these things with my own well-being, in other words, I thought that in order to feel well, to be free of anxiety, every single factor in my life had to be in my control and had to be just so. And so... You can imagine that when things weren't in my control, when things didn't go the way I expected, it could lead to a spiral and in very many cases, panic attacks. So yes, perhaps by controlling these aspects of my life, I gained some temporary sense of safety and, you know, felt a little bit better, but This wasn't a long-term sustainable solution for me because I wasn't actually able to self-regulate when something went out of my control, when things went differently, or when there were unexpected circumstances or events. And I was really limiting my life experience because I was saying to myself, like, these are the things that you can handle because they're within your control and you can't handle anything outside of that. And I cut myself off from a lot during this period. And, you know, that's okay because I gained some footing during that time. But once I was kind of ready to expand my life a little bit more, I just realized that, like, that wasn't how I wanted to live. I wanted to be able to self-regulate. I wanted to be able to, for example, enjoy the foods that I had previously loved. And, you know, I bring up the diet thing because that actually was a big catalyst for me realizing like I wanted to open back up my life and not feel like I had to control every single thing because I just became so fixated on what was going into my body and what went into my body became so limited to the point where it started to make me feel worse 
it started to make me feel more anxious. And so all this to say, this was kind of the first reckoning I had with this theme of control. And although I recognized that control helped me to feel safe on some level, like I said, it wasn't a sustainable answer. It was unpleasant, draining, limiting, and I was always on high alert. So it was during this period that I set a new goal for myself, which was to find the tools and strategies to self-regulate and build resilience so I could expand my life a little bit more, I could relax into my life a little bit more without this constant need to be in control. And I also recognize that a lot of the things that were beautiful in my life and that were exciting and joyful were unexpected. And I wanted to be able to have room for that. So this kind of led me down a path of gravitating towards mindfulness and learning to become more of an observer and a witness to the discomfort that would often be the catalyst for me needing to take over, to take control. And during this period, I really did make a ton of progress. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And, you know, I can't attribute the mental well-being I experience now and the fact that I live relatively free of anxiety, I can't attribute that to any one thing, but I know for sure that finding that balance and not always needing to respond to my discomfort by controlling something externally has made a huge impact. And I'm so grateful for that because honestly, I've said this before, there was a point at which I could have never visualized myself 
you know, going five minutes without feeling anxious, without feeling a huge pit in my stomach and in my chest. And now I go weeks, months without feeling that at all. But coming back to control, I'm kind of in a new place now. And I think the change that we've been experiencing has a lot to do with it. But also, interestingly, I've been wondering if pregnancy has something to do with it too. Because not only is this a completely new foreign experience physically with so much happening to my hormones and body that is completely outside of my control, but it's also a completely new identity that I'm stepping into where I'm not going to have as much control over my time and space and autonomy, for example. Another thing that's kind of surprised me, and I'm interested to know if this is something that other folks have experienced as well, is a new feeling for me, which is feeling overwhelmingly protective of like not just myself, but of our baby, which I think is sort of natural because that's sort of my biggest task right now is just to keep myself and our baby healthy. But It's interesting because obviously the whole process of the baby growing and developing is being done without my intervention or involvement, but it's a weird situation because I feel like I have to be involved in some way. Like this is this huge thing that's going on, this huge transformation that's happening in my body as we speak, and I'm not doing anything to really move that forward. And I feel especially at the beginning of the pregnancy, my response was like, what can I consume from books to podcasts to videos? Like how much information can I take in to make me feel more involved and more in control of the whole experience? And also like, what are the things that I need to buy so that I'm absolutely prepared and whatever? Like I think this is a whole different conversation for a different episode, but what I've noticed is that It's great to have access to so much information now, but that can become very overwhelming because it feels like you're never doing enough. You never have enough like possessions for your baby and gadgets and whatnot. And I think there is an insidious part, obviously, of capitalism that preys upon that feeling of overwhelm and the need to be in control. And pretty early on in the pregnancy, I just decided to limit what I was taking in because that felt better to me than trying to like know every single thing there is to know about every single phase of development. I really made this sort of resolution to listen to what my doctor and what my midwives were kind of telling me to take in information that I found interesting and exciting And to be involved in the pregnancy, I guess, to the extent that it doesn't feel like I'm getting into that territory of needing to be in control. And honestly, I think because of that, I felt pretty good mentally. I felt actually excellent mentally, which I didn't necessarily expect because I felt like I would be a lot more emotional about the whole experience. And again, that's actually a whole other conversation because 
it feels like there's this pressure to feel a certain type of way when you're pregnant and be like overwhelmingly excited and happy all the time. And I've just been kind of neutral. Um, but you know, learning that that's okay too. And even releasing the need to be in control of my emotional state and just letting the experience be what it is and being present more than anything. So coming back to, you know, feeling like I need to be in control, I definitely noticed this more at the beginning of the pregnancy, but I've noticed that this experience of, you know, not necessarily being in control of what's going on in my body, especially since it's sort of a foreign experience, has led me to look outward to what I can control. And just to the point where I've wanted to reflect a little bit more and revisit this topic because I've experienced what it's like for this need to be in control to dominate my entire experience and to be generally unpleasant. So it's not that I've let that get away from me, but I'm sort of at that crossroads of being like, okay, like this is coming up again in a way that is new. And let me just dissect that a little bit, which of course I will also be exploring with my therapist, but I've done a little bit of thinking on this, had a few conversations as I always do. And so I want to share where my head is at with respect to the question of where does the fear of the loss of control come from? And again, this doesn't just pertain to my current experience. I'm talking very broadly. And So, like I mentioned, in the general sense, I think for me it's born out of feeling out of control of some aspect of my reality, so I look to what I can control. That is a very general statement, but when I was reflecting on it, I think we can go a little bit deeper. So, the first thing that I could identify goes hand in hand for me with the loss of control over something is the loss of autonomy and wanting to protect my autonomy at all costs. Now, I have been thinking a lot about this theme of autonomy. It's shown up in so many different ways, you know, moving back to my hometown, being pregnant, all of these sort of new life chapters that have brought this theme back into focus for me. And I talked about that a lot in last week's episode about moving back to your hometown. But I feel like for me, my hypothesis is that like being in your 20s is sort of this period where you get to experience adulthood for sort of the first time to its fullest extent, but you're still kind of protective over your autonomy because Maybe you're just experiencing it in this new way for the first time. And that runs parallels with, you know, moving away for university, going traveling, moving to a new city, and having this new newfound, excuse me, sense of freedom, perhaps for the first time. And I think for many of us, of course, that can be daunting, but I think it's generally enjoyable to have that sense of freedom you know, and I think once you get used to that, in my case, I was also single throughout my whole university experience. And prior to that, 
I made a lot of decisions based on my own desires, whether that was, you know, where I wanted to go to university, where I wanted to study abroad, what program I wanted to do, that having any semblance of, you know, not being in control of that autonomy, so not being in control of your own decisions or how you spend your time or even the way that you think, that can be scary and it can feel like we want to protect that. And I actually feel like this manifests in really funny ways for myself and for others. Like Jamie and I have this joke where we both are pretty similar in the sense that we don't love being told what to do even if what we're being told is helpful. So for example, like if he's driving and I'm like, oh, you want to turn here? He'll like intentionally not turn there and then end up adding like 10 minutes to the journey. I'm exaggerating. But just like unnecessarily exercising your autonomy to the point where it's like not helpful. And we both do that. And I feel like everyone maybe can relate to either doing that themselves or other people doing it. Because I think many of us are just so protective of that autonomy and that independence. And that would be kind of the first thing that comes to mind as it relates to fearing not being in control of those things. The fear of losing control or not being in control for me is also rooted in a belief that if I am not in control something will go wrong. In some cases, something will go catastrophically wrong. And how this kind of manifests is having difficulty relying on or trusting other people. Now, this can manifest in really, really small ways or bigger ways. And I want to kind of give an example of both. So, What I noticed is this difficulty in building trust and relying on other people manifests a lot in my relationship and has evolved a lot, but it's something I used to really have a hard time with because, again, I was so used to doing things on my own. I was very independent, and I really associated a lot of my self-worth with my independence. But what I realized was not allowing other people to support and help and not being able to rely on other people. Number one, it's exhausting. And number two, it doesn't create this sort of balance in relationships. Like I started to notice, like I actually want to be able to trust my partner with certain things, but how do I trust them if I won't let them participate in certain decisions or certain, you know, tasks or roles? So like just a silly example is if we were having people over, I would always need to be the one like cooking dinner or preparing the food. And, you know, that can show up in very different ways, like I said, on a more minor level. But one example of like a big way that I noticed this coming up was a few years ago, I smoked some weed And just by the way, like, I've had a really weird relationship with weed where I've been into it at some points, 
and then I've not been into it. And the difficulty that I have with weed and, you know, mind-altering substances is I feel out of control. I feel out of control, especially in my body, of the sensations in my body. And that sends me into a spiral and I do not like it. And like, I don't have to like it, but for a lot of time, you know, of course, prior to being pregnant, I really wanted to get to this point where I could just like feel comfortable and I wanted to see what everybody raved about. And so like I said, my lack of trust in other people was very kind of poignant to me when I had this one experience where I smoked some weed and I decided I was going to go on a walk. Now, I was on this walk and I started to borderline have a panic attack because, again, I was just feeling so out of control. And as I was on this walk, like I was out in public and I just needed to confront these fears that I was having and I just needed to get to the root of them. And to understand, like, what is this response that you're having to feeling sort of out of control? And I kind of played out the worst case scenario in my head. This is something that has really helped me with anxiety and overthinking. And in this scenario, I realized, number one, I had such a fear of not being in control and not feeling in control of my mind and body. Why is that? Because I realized that when I don't feel in control of my mind and body, something could happen to me, unexpected. And I used to always be really afraid of passing out for whatever reason. Now, I took that a step further as I was on this walk and I was like, okay, well, if I pass out, what's the problem? Like, what am I so afraid of? And What I recognized in that moment is that I was deeply afraid of having to ask other people for help or, you know, to be publicly embarrassed and feel ashamed of, again, having to ask for help. So in this scenario, I feared that my embarrassment and shame about being in a state of need would trump my asking for help. And there have been many, excuse me, scenarios where, again, I've been feeling a little bit out of control, maybe not necessarily if I was smoking weed or something, but in any scenario. And I thought to myself, like, oh, I'll just deal with this on my own and I won't ask anyone for help. This was an interesting insight to me and revealed to me just how deep my lack of trust in other people went. And that was kind of the start, again, this is going back a few years, of recognizing that that is not the relationship that I wanted to have with other people. I wanted to be able to ask for help. I wanted to be able to trust that other people would help me, to be able to trust that I would help someone else if they were in that scenario. And Reminding myself of that and seeing examples of that and proving to myself that I can ask for help and people will provide it, sometimes very happily so, that helped me to start to have a different relationship 
with trust. And for me, trust kind of falls on the opposite side of the spectrum of control. So it was a theme that I really reflected on when I was, you know, exploring my relationship with control. And it's something that if I find that creeping back in the way I have recently, I need to consider that as being something that I may be avoiding is leaning into the support of other people. The last thing that came up, which was unexpected and interesting as I was reflecting on why I sometimes fear losing control, is that being in control makes me feel like I have a clear purpose and like I have value and it informs my identity So in other words, it makes me feel productive, it makes me feel busy, like I have a task that I can focus on, and it makes me feel important and necessary. And I have to always ask myself, like, why do I want to feel that? Why do I need to feel validated through being in control? And I think, you know, that can lead to a really interesting reflection, but, you know, My initial feeling is if I'm required to see something through, to be in control of something, to be involved, then I must be important. And that helps me to gain this sense of identity and purpose, even though it may be not very helpful to me. I think on some level, I crave that need to feel important and to feel productive. So all that being said, why would I be interested in bringing things back into balance and reflecting on my relationship with control? Well, I've mentioned this several times throughout the episode. Number one, it just becomes draining. And in relationships, I don't find that this need to always be in control builds trust and balance. And you know, it can be damaging in different ways. But like I said in the Trusting the Universe Easier Said Than Done episode, I don't think it's as easy as simply letting go of control. And if it were, well, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Now, what I have to remember when I'm thinking about, you know, bringing things back into balance is that I desire control because I believe I am benefiting in some way by being in control. And usually that benefit is my own safety. So I believe that I am keeping myself safe by being in control, which in some cases may actually be true. But in many cases, it's kind of like it's an overcorrection and it's based on a premise that I'm unsafe where I am not unsafe. And so, you know, the scenarios my need to be in control spills over into usually have nothing to do with my actual safety. But I have to kind of remind myself of that. And I have to overwrite that default reaction I have to needing to be in control or feeling discomfort and responding by taking over control. What helps me in a scenario where I notice that default response creeping in is to spend even like a few seconds to consider 
is my default response going to be productive or helpful in a given scenario? Is this going to lead to a good long-term outcome? And what I find is that this moment of inquiry even helps me to reflect on deeper patterns or fears that I'm acting from and gives me an opportunity to challenge those patterns instead of unconsciously acting out of them. And obviously, in some cases, like in my case, the support of a therapist in this process to uncover those patterns and fears can be really helpful. So let's give another example, going back to like a very simple, small example of, okay, Jamie and I are going to have some friends over or we're going to have some family over. And let's say I take on a certain amount of tasks and, you know, wanting things to be balanced, I ask my partner to prepare the food for the night. Now, maybe I start to feel uncomfortable because it's not the exact way I would have done it or I want it to be. And I feel that uncomfortable feeling of like, I want to take over. Before responding to that discomfort just spending a second being like okay where is this coming from is this response going to build that balance that I desire and build that trust if I constantly jump in and take over and you know what will happen or what am I worried will happen if I don't take over and I can reflect again on like a deeper pattern or a deeper fear so like in the case of the food not being exactly the way I want it to be, maybe that is born out of a fear that I'll be judged by the people coming over or I'll be embarrassed or I'll be excluded. So to be able to reflect on that and to be like, oh, okay, like this is where that's coming from. And that's understandable, but it's not necessarily relevant to this situation. Like, is that likely to happen? Are the people that you are friends with likely to judge you, to embarrass you if the food isn't exactly the way that you want it to be? And if it does happen, if those people do judge you, are you going to be okay? Is that something that you can regulate? Again, not trying to control every single aspect of my reality so I can avoid potentially being judged which again can become very limiting and very exhausting trying to control every single aspect to avoid some scenario or some outcome that in some cases isn't even likely to happen. So being able to build the self-regulation tools and strategies that even if that worst case scenario does play out, I'll be okay. And that for me is a more sustainable, balanced way of looking at it. And this line of questioning of like, okay, what am I worried about in this scenario if I don't take over? Is that likely to happen? If it does happen, will I be okay? This reminds me of one of the tools I really relied on when I was coming out of that really anxious period, which is called decatastrophizing. And I believe it's like a cognitive behavioral therapy tool. I was introduced to it by my therapist at the time. And sort of the difference between my default reaction and this way of decatastrophizing and pausing is that where normally I would feel discomfort and escalate a situation in my mind and then need to take over, 
this line of questioning helps me to de-escalate the situation. And then obviously I'll be exploring that in more detail today. In fact, in a half hour when I have a conversation with my therapist. So like I said, I'll be sharing some more insights on that probably on this week's YouTube video, which will be coming out sometime next week. So be sure to tune into that. Okay, so I want to get into a few of the responses for the prompt I put out about this episode. One person said, growing up with such a predictable and stable routine with my family, I feel like I'm not equipped to deal with big changes and I feel so out of control. Even changes in furniture, for example, make me feel powerless and has caused a lot of anxiety for me as an adult when I can't predict outcomes. Listen, I completely understand this response and I think oftentimes when we talk about control we think about the big things but like I said this can permeate even into tiny things like choosing furniture and that kind of choice overwhelm and how that can impact our mental state and so I definitely definitely understand that need or desire I should say to be in control of every little thing especially when we're used to having things set up in such a way and It just reminds me of kind of what I talked about where I created this relationship with my external reality where in order to feel okay and comfortable, I needed to be in control of everything. And again, that was what became sort of the catalyst for recognizing that I needed to create a little bit more balance because it is exhausting and it can have a huge impact on your mental health and that feeling of overwhelm, even in like tiny, tiny decisions. Okay, another person said, I find a certain level of control comforting and at times shut down or panic without that comfort. I am recently diagnosed autistic and I'm still learning how my brain functions and how to adapt. Things I can control are things that I can expect to rely on in the safety of routine. It helps situations to feel safer or approachable. I think this is a really balanced way of looking at it and I didn't talk a whole lot about routine but I definitely think routine plays a big part in this feeling of being in control and I like I said several times throughout this episode my feeling in the past was you know I just have to be comfortable with zero control ever in my life. I don't think that's the case. I think having that foundation like this person said of structure and of small routines that can then make us feel that more that much more comfortable excuse me going out into the world and dealing with uncertainty and dealing with different things but again with that foundation of those routines that we can rely upon. And especially when we're talking about big life changes, having those things that remain the same, i.e. routine, I have certainly found to be super helpful. And I have gone through phases where I've opened it up completely, had no control over my schedule and seen what that's like. And I don't think that that is a very balanced approach for me either. Maybe it works for some, but I certainly resonate with what this person is saying about feeling that comfort and that kind of building confidence. And I think that's, again, a very balanced way to look at it. Okay, well, I feel like we are out of time for this episode. Thank you to everyone who submitted a response 
I always love reading through them and they really help me to craft the episode and reflect on what I want to share in the episode. So thank you so much if you sent something in. As always, thank you for listening. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you want to send in your thoughts or anything like that, feedback, whatever, there are three avenues to do that. The main two are the anonymous submission link and the Q&A feature on Spotify. And then you can always reach out to me on Instagram as well. And like I said, stay tuned for some behind the scenes content as well as just a general catch up on my YouTube because I'm really putting effort into that now. So thank you as always for being here. And I guess I should mention that my YouTube is Siobhan Lauren. I'll leave the link in the show notes as well. And yeah, that's it for this week. I will see you in next week's episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.